Oh boy, it is a Friday heading into the weekend. Hopefully some double digits in here. Lots to talk about. We're about three or four days now from the trade deadline. So we're starting to see some players make their debuts with teams and they've actually made pretty good impacts. We got a lot to go over on episode 65, Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Let's go. And I'd like to welcome you into the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Kalgamard, your host, as always. Uh, nice to get back to, to some sort of regularly scheduled programming with two episodes this week. I know it's been a little bit since I've been able to do that, so nice to be back here into a routine. Uh, make sure you follow along at ST Hockey Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, where you can stream along. I have been, uh, episodes are slowly coming up on YouTube. I might take some time this weekend and uh, upload a bunch of them so we can catch up, but uh, nevertheless, a uh, brand new article for the Hockey Writers is out right now it's about the Canucks and well why they were surprisingly quiet on trade deadline day and there's a few different reasons and factors that played into it so you want to go check that out I'll post a link on our pages as well uh also, Mike Stubbs tonight, Friday nights are going to be joining him as always on 980 CFPL News just after seven o'clock. We always have an absolute blast when we uh catch up and talk. Haven't talked to him since the uh since the past weekend, so uh, the trade deadline, we're gonna we're gonna go over all the trades, wh- what it means for some teams, what it means for others. We're actually gonna talk about, you know, we're noticing now teams are going more all in than ever before, and why it's good for the league. So that's coming up in just a little bit as well. Talk to Canucks and when they'll ever get back to playing again, and uh, and the Predators. Funny how how winning changes everything hilarious because earlier on the season there were rumors and reports about some players being on the move now they're talking about re-signing them it's incredible what happens when you win changes everything we'll get to that in just a little bit I, I want to start here with the Maple Leafs so the Maple Leafs now after winning like six straight games going 9-0-1 in their last 10 have lost three straight um one to the Canadians, one to Calgary, and now last night to the Winnipeg Jets by score 5-2. It was probably Jack Campbell's worst game. He came out afterwards and said, I've got, I'm going to be better. I put the team in a rough spot. He, said, he didn't just say, I'm going to try and get better. He said, I will be better and ready to play next game. But in all honesty, I can't even put the blame of this on Jack Campbell because at some point, this is going to catch up to you. In life, if you know something is broken, don't put it off if there's clearly an issue. Like if your car is running low on gas, you don't put it off. Because if you do that, you're going to be driving one day and your car is just going to stop. Right? If you have a leaky faucet, you don't put it off because the pipe might burst and you might have water damage in your home. Toronto's power play over the last month has gone 1 for 37. I believe now, actually up to date, it is 1 for its last 42 attempts. Somehow, during these games, Toronto has a record above 500. I think they're like 10-9 or 10-8-2. and two. Imagine if they were actually scoring goals in the power play. How many more wins they'd have? I don't know what it is. All the analytics in the world couldn't tell you what's wrong with Toronto's power play. 
They're entering the zone. They're getting shots. They hit a couple posts a couple nights ago. This is just, it's the definition of insanity. You're trying the same thing over and over and over and over again, expecting something to just change. Toronto, out of the start of the season, was blazing hot. Teams had no idea how to stop their power play. You had Matthews on one side, Martyr on another side. Then they'd swap sometimes. Matthews was taking one-timers. Martyr was, was facilitating things. Right? The, the confidence, the swag was there. There is absolutely, positively, no swagger right now. And at some point, if you're Manny Malhotra or Sheldon Keefe or whoever is on the ice when you are on the power play, You've got to try something different. And I know last night Toronto didn't have Matthews. But you've still... And Matthews and Nylander, let's be real here. Two of their top four guys. But Marner's still there. Tavares is still there. You just signed Galchenyuk. Zach Hyman's had a pretty great season so far. Right? You signed Thornton and Spezza are great when they don't have to move and they can just... They can facilitate things. But something needs to change, especially come playoff time when you get those man advantages. You need to score or at least pose a threat. There is no threat right now. And right now, Toronto is banking on talent alone to carry it. Talent alone and creativity alone is going to get it out of its slump. But there is such a lack of creativity and the structure is just so forced right now They have actually, this is wild to me too, that over the last month, Toronto has surrendered more shorthanded goals than scored power play goals. That cannot happen. And I honestly, I blame a lot of that on on the player's lack of awareness and the defenseman that's on the ice and Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley, I've noticed, got beat a multitude of times, given up breakaways, not handled the puck properly. Like, you're the only defenseman on the ice your mindset should be, yes, you need to facilitate and, and the puck needs to flow through you and whatnot. But as, as you're the only defenseman on the ice, you got to make sure the puck doesn't go in your own net. And that has happened way too many times. I noticed there are a lot of other defensemen that I would like to see. Like, have Jake Muzzin be on the power play unit. Have Justin Hall be on the power play. TJ Brody used to play power play minutes in Calgary. Have him do it because you know if TJ Brody is on the ice, Toronto's not giving up shorthanded goals. That dude is defense first. I don't care about any, like, he's going to make sure that puck does not go. He will play absolutely spectacular. He will just stand in the defensive end if it means Toronto doesn't give up a shorthanded goal. But he's also got a little bit of offensive flair to his game. He's just been minimized to Morgan Riley's partner. And Morgan Riley has gotten comfortable with the, with the point that because Brody's so good defensively, his defensive game has actually been awful this year. If you've watched the games, you know what I'm talking about. I understand that the name brand around Morgan Riley is like, no, no, like he's actually been pretty good. You're being too hard on him. You got to watch some of the tape. He has made some awful judgment calls this year. And, you know, you start watching that and you look and you're like, well, Morgan Riley's going to get paid. How much more? Is he is he going to make $8 million a year? Because he is not an $8 million a year defenseman. From what I have seen, he had one really great year where he scored 20-plus goals, 70 points. Everyone's freaking out because they didn't know how they were going to sign him. But this year, I'm watching him defensively. I'm like, you can't pay him more than $6 million. You can't. 
He gets a lot of points. He's good puck moving. He has some awareness at times. But defensively, he has taken a beating this year. But the power play just needs to blow it up. Do anything. Toss Thornton out there. Great vision. Put Galchenyuk on the weak side. I've watched him shoot one-timers. He can still shoot the puck. And when you put him in a position to succeed, he scored again last night. I get, I, I bet you he comes through. Have anyone. Put any other. Try Travis Dermott. Very mobile defenseman. Honestly, I'm up for anything at this point. Give Nick Robertson a chance. That kid can shoot the puck like no tomorrow. The top-tier players will get going at some point. But teams know exactly what you're going to do and exactly how you're going to play. And there needs to be some creativity or some shake-up to this. And I don't know what it is. Get Wayne Simmons back in front of that, causing an absolute nightmare. How about you move Tavares so he's not just tipping pucks in front of the net? Put Jumbo Joe in there. Let Tavares walk off the line and shoot pucks. Like, there's the problem with, with this is the fact that you're looking at a team with so many different options, so many players that you can utilize, and Toronto is just just wasting it. They are wasting like every time. Like it has gotten to the point where I've looked on, on online and fans have literally said, can we refuse a power play Toronto at five on five? This actually might help them in the, in the playoffs because less penalties get called, but five on five Toronto has been one of the best teams in the league, but they get a power play and teams have outscored them in the last 40 attempts. That's got to change. And yes, Matthew's coming back and score from literally anywhere. You know, Marner, I think Marner's just in in his head right now, trying way too hard to, to make the perfect play. Get the friggin' puck on net. Shoot low, get a rebound, get the Wayne train, Zach Hyman, Joe Thornton, Tavares in front of the net, whatever you got to do, right? Get the puck back to the point, float one on net if you're Riley or Brody or whoever the hell's on the power play. But I would take Morgan Riley off and I'd put someone else on. I would put TJ Brody on. I'd put Jake Muzzin on. I'd try Justin Hall. I don't know how he is, but I've seen Justin Hall. He's He he was the one that took the puck, faked a shot, noticed the defense kind of back up a little bit, pull the puck towards him, step in, and rip a clap bomb, clear his day over the glove of Carey Price. He can do that. So give him a chance to just rip one, get Morgan Riley off, or put him on the second unit and change things up because it is just, it is killing them right now because the difference between these 3-2 games, 4-2 games, and even last night when the game was 3-2 is Toronto for the life of them cannot score a freaking power play goal. And it is just, it is disgusting to watch because you are watching tens of millions of dollars in five guys on the ice unable to score at a man advantage when every other team, Winnipeg had their way against Toronto right off the face-off yesterday. I think Winnipeg won the draw, clear as day, in the net it went. So simple, so easy. And you watch that as a fan, you're like, oh, like you're just, you're blown away. You're like, how how can we replicate this? But it change it up, do something. Do anything differently to try and get things going for them. That's my rant on the Leafs today. Uh, the NHL, moving on to another team here, and I talked about the Vancouver Canucks, and, and there's an article I wrote for them about, you know, why they were so quiet at the deadline. Well, one of the main reasons, I'll give you a little insight to the article. 
is the COVID-19 outbreak. Upwards of 21 to 25 players and staff uh, were affected by it. They have been on pause since March 26. We're coming up on three weeks now. And their latest game Friday today against the Oilers has been postponed as well. Game was postponed yesterday. And then uh, tomorrow's game against Toronto Maple Leafs is also expected to be delayed. And then the league expects to release a revised North Division schedule today at some point. So we'll wait and see how that all works. But, you know, at some point, you've got to play the games. Now, I understand, too. Let me actually, let me, let me, let me word it this way. The NHL absolutely needed to think of the players first. You need to think about their health, their safety, and their ability to come back. It, you, you know, like when you get sick, you try and fight it. You're trying to go to work. You're trying to push through a workout, and you just feel awful, right? But you can slack off. Earlier this week, I, I had a few drinks one night, woke up the next morning, wasn't feeling good. I wake up fairly early in the mornings, and it just wasn't my best show. It wasn't my best day. But that's fine because I'm not a professional athlete. Now, I was, I'm on when I have to be on, but the rest of the time, I am groggy. I'm sagging around. It's not good. Well, these guys have to perform at the highest level on every given night. And if every player on that team is 70-80%, you're going to get washed by anybody. Vancouver has had Ottawa's way all year long. If Vancouver played Ottawa tonight, I guarantee you the Senators would come out with a victory. Because when you get the flu, when you're sick, when you're not feeling well, that takes a toll on your body physically, mentally, you just kind of shut down and you stop caring nearly as much. Like when you're sick, all you care about in that moment is I just want to go to sleep. I just want to get some rest. I just want to feel better. My head hurts. My stomach hurts. I can't breathe. And if, if unfortunately, if you have been affected or know someone who's been affected by COVID, some of the effects are a little bit worse than having the cold. So JT Miller came out and voiced safety concerns. So they were going to play tonight. And then players came out Wednesday and said, this is about the health and safety of our players, families, and their children. He said, I'm not ready at all. He said, I feel like crap. This is crazy that we're going through this. After several players voiced their complaints, then the league decided, we'll postpone you. We'll give you a little bit more time to catch up to speed. Uh, As of this moment, I believe right now, as of last night, three players, Niles Hoglander, Nate Schmidt, and Jake Vertanen, remain on the COVID-19 list. Uh, That is from uh, the Canadian press per Joshua Clipperton. But it's going to be interesting. It's such a lose-lose for Vancouver because at some point you're going to have to play the games because I don't think the league is going to allow them just to forfeit them. The points are too valuable to the teams that they're playing against, especially teams that are trying to get into and squeak into a playoff spot. And the race is right now tightening, right? Montreal's won some games. Calgary's won three straight games in a row. So there, I mean, like, that's the thing with the in-division games. With in-division games, you win two or three in a row, you're right back in the in the swing of things. So as I look right now, Toronto is now only three points up on the Jets. Edmonton's got two games in hand, but they're eight, only eight points back. Montreal's got a couple games in hand as well. They're at 45 points. And Calgary has won a couple games. They're now four points back of a playoff spot. Things change really quick. So if you start forfeiting games to the Oilers, the Jets, the Habs, the Flames, those teams are now just getting two easy points without having to do anything. And obviously there's the pride of the game and wanting to play it out. But it's coming up on three weeks now. 
right? Give them, give them another week or so, however long this league's going to process this. But also at some point, right, when you test negative, you're going to have to get back on the ice. Players play through injury all the time. Players have played through sickness before, too. It's just unfortunately magnified in this situation where the entire team has tested positive for it. It's going to be very interesting to see what the uh, revision comes out today for the North Division schedule, but I will be... uh, You do want to think of the health and safety, not just the players, but more specifically their families, their children, and the teams they come into contact with because that's the other part that gets into it, right? Is it's not just... Like, the, the virus just doesn't stick with you because you're a Vancouver Canuck. If you have any trace of it and you now go and play the Edmonton Oilers tonight and all of a sudden Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl catch it and they're out for two weeks, it's horrible for the league. So it's a lose-lose. At some point, you do have to play the games because every other team right now is playing except for you and the team you were supposed to play. Philip Grubauer of the Colorado Avalanche has been put on the COVID-19 list right now, but Colorado is still playing games. Right, because they're like, we got to continue with the schedule if we're going to condense this and fit this in this year. So intriguing to see what it what uh, what the release says today. Hopefully, Vancouver starts to feel a little better. They have been on the ice; they've been training, so maybe they're just getting the cobwebs off. And in the next few days or so, they'll start feeling a little bit more like themselves. It can hopefully get back to playing games and finish out the season. Uh, I want to get to so we're going to talk about teams that are all in this year and why it's so good for the league. But before that, I want to talk about. One team in particular that started off the year really rough, but winning changes everything. So earlier on this season, two players from the Nashville Predators were rumored in trades all year long, specifically defenseman Matthias Ekholm, right? Nashville started off real rough, like I mentioned, has gotten hot. They are now actually sitting in a postseason spot. But Matthias Ekholm and Philip. Forsberg are both set to become unrestricted free agents after next season. But now because they've been winning games instead of being subject to trades, because Forsberg was linked with trades with a couple different teams, including Toronto. I believe Boston had looked at it too before acquiring Taylor Hall. But now David Poyle is keen on locking both of those players up. So at home, like I mentioned, who was still rumored right up until Monday's trade deadline, has played all 10 of his seasons with the Predators. He said he'd love to uh, love to bring him back. He's contributed five goals, 17 points in, in, uh, in 22 minutes over 36 games. And then Philip Forsberg, who is one of the perennial scorers, and which is why a lot of people were questioning, how in, how in the world is this guy on the market right now? Uh, he has hit the 25-goal mark in five times in five seasons for the Predators and amassed 382 points in 492 games. Remember that trade? He went over in a trade with the Washington Capitals. It was one of the worst trades of all time. It was Martin Urat for like a second and Philip Forsberg, and Philip Forsberg has been instrumental and one of the key pivotal players on on Nashville for the last better part of, well, five, six years, 500 games with the club. And I just find it hilarious. They've won 10 of their last 12 games. They are now back in a playoff position after a really rough start. But winning changes everything. And I wonder how you think of this as the player. Ekholm all year was like, as soon as they started losing, teams were inquiring about Ekholm talking about acquiring Ekholm, trying to see what the what Nashville could get for Ekholm. 
and you win a few games, and your mindset changes. It's, I just, it, it's, it's, it's the remedy for everything, right? If there are arguments, it's like, it's, it's kind of like love, love triumphs all. Success triumphs all. If you're in a relationship with somebody, and, and, and this isn't advice or anything, but this is just, you know, kind of how I would feel towards it. But if you're in a relationship and things are rocky, right, for a bit, but you know you love each other, right? You know you, you know, you're always going to be there. You stick it out. But then all of a sudden things start going your way. You start getting along, right? The attitude changes. All of a sudden, right, relationship's great. The rocky road's behind them. It's like in sports. If there are if there are issues within a team, right, winning games eliminates it or at least minimizes it. We've heard it all before. There were in the National Football League, right, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, they didn't always see eye to eye, but they won games, so nobody talked about it. Green Bay Packers, head coach Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, right, the head coach has now been there a couple of years. Aaron Rodgers has, quote-unquote, been, you know, rumored to be difficult to coach and difficult to communicate with. They've gone back-to-back years of 13-3, and three, right? Winning just mitigates all that. Same thing here. Trade rumors come up. Players get tense. Trade rumors continue on. Trade deadline goes by. Players aren't traded. You start winning. Everything quiets. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe you just guys, you come on back, too. I just, I find it amazing how winning, winning cures everything. Doesn't matter what's going on in the organization. You could have money issues, could be feared that a player is going to leave in, in, uh, in free agency, right? Communication issues, players aren't getting along. The Chicago Blackhawks for their three, three Stanley Cup uh, wins in like that six year frame, there were articles written about Patrick Sharp and Duncan Keith and Jonathan Taves, and there were some some murmurs with uh, with Keith and and Kane actually, and those kind of went away because they were winning playoff series and Stanley Cups, and Keith was a Conn Smythe winner, and Patrick Kane, you know, was 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 lighting it up for them. Winning cures everything; it changes everything. And I find it funny especially because Nashville, to begin the season, was, was going to sell. They were going to trade off their players. Ryan Ellis was rumored in trades. Ekholm, Forsberg didn't get the return. Actually, they even stated that Nashville, they wanted the Jake Muzzin package in return for Matias Ekholm, which was a first, a prospect, and, and I think it was something else. But I just, it's funny how winning... Made that disappear. Trade deadline goes. They start winning games. Yeah, maybe we'll keep you. I just, I found that funny and just, I, I wanted to bring that up. And it's, it's the same thing, right? Like Toronto, the Toronto Maple Leafs, like we mentioned earlier, before these three game, before this three game losing streak, they had won six straight, were like 9-0-1 in the last 10. Their power play still wasn't scoring. But because you're winning, nobody talks about it. It's like, yeah, their power play's not scoring. Yeah, but they won. They'll figure itself out. It's all good. You lose a couple games. You start micromanaging. Well, the goalie's now not good enough. Jack Campbell's all of a sudden not, not the guy. 
that their power plays is the key to their demise. Well, they just they won six straight and they were nine zero and one in their last ten. So they're just they're getting exposed a little bit more for it. So all of a sudden that winning mentality goes away and you start nitpicking certain things that weren't getting talked about before because you were winning. Nashville is now there. Tough start to the season. Players are on the trading block. Names are being thrown out there. Scenarios. Start winning games. All goes away. Uh, And the last thing I really want to get to here before we get to some other news and rumors throughout the league. uh, I am really a big fan. And this kind of all this kind of all started a few years ago. So we are finally starting to see teams really swing for the fences. And it's good for the league. It is great. It's 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 dramatic. It's it's newsworthy. Other teams start replicating it. More headlines come out. A couple of years ago, we saw the Columbus Blue Jackets. Knowingly in a scenario that they were in, absolutely swing for the fences. They 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 sent over like a a first, two seconds, third, fourth, like they basically traded over 50% of their draft picks to go all in on one year. That was the year, that was the final season that Sergei Bobrovsky and Artemi Panarin were Columbus Blue Jackets. Later that offseason, obviously Panarin went to New York. Bobrovsky went to uh, went to Florida. But they ended up acquiring Matt Duchesne, Ryan Dezingle. You already had, at the time, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Nick Foligno was a little bit more offensively gifted. Right, you had Cam Atkinson, you still had Boone Jenner. This was a nightmare of a team. And this is where you had defensively that sweet spot too, where like Warinsky and Jones were there. And like this team was deep. And then you had Corpusalo as, as Bobrovsky's backup just in case. And even though they didn't win the cup, right, they won a series. I think that was the year that they swept. Yeah, that was the year they swept Tampa in the first round. And, you know, it's funny, even though they didn't win the cup. Everyone applauded Yarmo Kekalainen for going all in, for understanding and giving his team an opportunity and loading up and saying, go for it, guys. Because a lot of teams, you know, a lot of times go, you know what, we're good with this. If, like, the right deal comes up, we'll make it. And it it just does not make for exciting news. And it's where the NHL is lacking in terms of other other leagues. Right, the, the the NBA and their free agency. I mean, you see LeBron going making press conferences to go to Miami, and you know James Harden not showing up, and then going to uh, Brooklyn, and right, like there's just there's so many big news stories. The NFL is like a wild amount of trades and players breaking, and Tom Brady left the Patriots to go to the Bucks, and then they win a Super Bowl, and JJ Watts no longer with the Texans, and he goes to Arizona, like the last team anyone ever thought he would go to. And it's good for those leagues because it gets talked about. It comes out of the blue. Like when the Taylor Hall for Adam Larson trade happened and then immediately after Shea Weber for P.K. Subban, that was some of the most talked about news across the National Hockey League, especially in the United States. Now, teams this year, now it wasn't crazy blockbuster or anything like that, but teams were making significant moves this year. Teams are going all in. Toronto traded a second-round pick two-fourths, a fifth, and a seventh-round pick to acquire the players they got, which were Nick Foligno, Riley Nash, David Riddich. They also traded a third, right? Like, they 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 addressed 
literally every need. It's very rare that teams do this where they dress like they need like another top six, you know, defensively minded uh, player need like a fourth line center and then a backup goalie to really show up. They got all of them. They got depth defensemen too. Tampa Bay for the second straight year traded away its first round pick and, and shored up their defense in getting David Savard from Columbus. The Bruins, though they didn't have to give up a ton, but they finally get a top six winger in Taylor Hall to kind of balance out. So now that perfection line of Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand isn't the only threat on that team anymore. Now you've got David Krejci and Taylor Hall on your second line with Jake DeBrusque. That's a good one-two punch now that Boston's kind of been really needing over the last couple of years. Colorado didn't really give up a lot in terms of amounts, but they addressed exactly what they needed to go in. They reacquired a player in uh, in Carl Soderberg, a guy who's played there before. They just they get even deeper because they already have Nathan McKinnon and Gabriel Landeskog and Miko Rantanen and Nazem Kadri and Jonas Donskoy, and I could go on forever. The Washington Capitals, they traded a roster player, and a good one at that, 25-goal scorer in Jacob Vrana and a first-round pick and others to go get Anthony Mantha because you're like, you know what? Jacob Ron has been great for us. We think his role is a little limited. Mantha's going to come in here and immediately be a part of our top six. He's going to play with Backstrom or Kuznetsov. Mantha has scored in both games he's played for Washington so far. They lost last night, but he scored last night. He is making an impact. And, and these trades, that big Mantha trade, got talked about. This is what the NHL needs more of. They need more trades like this. They need more deals like this. They need more trade deadlines. Like the, the 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 irony now around trade deadline day is it's not even the same as what it was, you know, four or five years ago. I remember there, there was one year there was like what, like 50 something trades in a day because like there are 57 different players or whatnot getting getting moved. And it was just like it was wild. You just watched this eight hour marathon on TSN or Sportsnet or wherever of like all these guys like tweeting and whatnot. And they got their blackberries out and they're, they're getting calls and texts from kind of general managers left, right and center. And now it's just kind of played out because all the actions done prior to like the Islanders made their deals beforehand. Like the Islanders got Kyle Palmieri, Travis Zajac. I think they picked up on their defenseman too, but they did it all quietly like days beforehand. Taylor Hall was traded the day before, but it was still talked about on the deadline day. It's good for the league to do this. It's huge for the popularity to compete with the other high-end professional sports leagues. It's something the NHL always lacked. The parody, the drama, the change of scenery. Watching more teams go all in is the best thing for this league right now. You are seeing teams load up and you're looking at rosters like Colorado and Tampa and you're like, how, how are these teams going to lose? They are loaded. Like Toronto now is loaded when Matthews and Nylander come back. Like that team, like you're, you're going to be cutting guys off the roster like Joe Thornton in Spezza. Well, not Spezza. Spezza's actually been really good for them. But you know what I mean? Like guys who at, at no point would you ever think to take off the roster. Like, I don't know. Like the, we got enough guys to fill this thing out, not have them on the team. It's good for the league. It's got parity. It's going to it's gonna help their popularity, especially with their new deal with ESPN in the United States and trying to bring the NHL back up. The, the, the expansion draft coming later, the one with Vegas was so big 
And, and Vegas was so successful right off the bat. Vegas got better too. Like they loaded up. There are some very, very high-end teams that got even better and are all in. And it is so good for the league moving forward. We need to see more of it. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a fun playoff too. Uh, before we head out, a couple news and rumors to get to around the league. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning captain Steven Stamkos, speaking of the Lightning, he they has been placed on long-term injured reserve, uh, retroactive to the April 9th injury due to a lower body injury. This is from the Athletics' Joe Smith. Stamkos uh, has missed the team's previous three games, and he's going to be forced to miss another seven, so 10 games total, and won't be eligible to return until at least May 5th. Now, Tampa's sitting comfortably. Better to get your captain um, rested and ready to go for a playoff run. They didn't have them all last year. They still won, but it's nice when you have Steven Stamkos to your roster. They still also don't have Nikita Kucherov, so uh, getting him returned and healthy, ready to go for the postseason is in the team's best interest. Um, Dallas Stars goaltender Ben Bishop and forward Alexander Radulov are set to miss the rest of the regular season due to injuries the team announced. Bishop is going to be continuing to rehab his surgically repaired knee, while Radulov needs a procedure to repair a core muscle injury. Uh, Radulov has been in and out of the lineup all year. Bishop hasn't been there all season long. Uh, Radulov has appeared in just 11 games. He has four goals and eight assists in that time. Uh, congratulations to Vegas Golden Knights goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury passing Hall of Famer Eddie Belfour for fourth on the all-time NHL goaltenders wins list Wednesday. He came off a 20-save effort versus the LA Kings with his 485th victory. 36 years of age is among some truly elite company with the latest milestones. So congratulations going out to Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, Jack Eichel's season is officially over. Sabres announced that uh, their superstar will not be returning to the ice this year due to a herniated disc in his neck. A very scary injury. Uh, The team does expect him to be ready to play at the start of the 2021-22 campaign. Uh, Congratulations to like almost every player playing on their new teams um, who have already scored and made impacts. Taylor Hall, Anthony Mantha, Jacob Vrana, Travis Zajac, Honors Bjork have already contributed and scored goals for the teams. Normally takes a little bit. Hall scored in like a second game. Mantha scored in back-to-back. Vrana scored right away. Zajac scored last night. Uh, Bjork contributing as well um, with Buffalo. Just uh just incredible stuff, and it's it again. This is just going to give teams more reason to go all in and and make deals. Seeing that players can come in and make immediate impacts. Uh, not every player has had a chance to suit up for their teams yet, but uh, the players that have have already made big impacts. And then finally, a big congratulations going out to Milan Lucic and Nicholas Backstrom, the Calgary Flames and Washington Capitals forwards. They both suit up for their 1,000th career NHL games. Lucic had a fight and an assist in his game, and Nicholas Backstrom contributed a point in his uh, game last night as well. So big milestones, 1,000 games, very quietly doing it for Milan Lucic, especially how hard it is to play the game that he plays. And then Nicholas Backstrom, model of consistency over there, just over a point per game this year. Ovechkin's right-hand man, and uh, just incredible milestones for those two players. Uh, That is it for today's episode of the podcast. Appreciate you listening in. Uh, Make sure you do enjoy the weekends and catch up on all the latest episodes on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you want to follow along with all the social media content, it is up on Instagram and Twitter, at ST Hockey Podcast. More articles out for the hockey writers involving the Vancouver Canucks. You can go read that one this weekend. And later on tonight, 980 CFPL News, I'll be joining Mike Stubbs just after 7 o'clock with uh, his show Friday Nights, the voice of the London Knights. 
I'm going to go relax this weekend. I think I'm going to play a round of golf too, maybe even a couple rounds. I haven't played in like over a month, so it'll be really nice to uh, activate those muscles, get in there and uh, and see what I can shoot. I, I think I shot an 88 to start the season. Who knows if I match that at all again this year, but uh, enjoy. Uh, stay safe out there, please. And I'll be back on Tuesday with another episode. Until then, that's a wrap.